Hi everyone, my name is David Gillespie and you are listening to High Shelf Gaming Podcast. This is a weekly podcast about role-playing games and board games and gaming conventions. Every week I'm joined by my co-host Rich Wisneski and we bring on guests to talk about the games that they love, the conventions they're playing them at, all that good stuff. If this is up your alley, please feel free to download, listen, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And you can always find us on Twitter at High Shelf Gaming or join us on our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. It's a closed group. Click to join though and we're friendly to everybody and uh, you'll get to hang out and talk games with us all you like. Hey everyone, this is David Gillespie again with High Shelf Gaming. As always, I am joined by the benevolent Rich Wisniewski. I know you're lying every time you use those, but I'm glad to be here, David. My korobokuru. I am glad to be here with you. What was that word you just called me? Are you making fun of me? No, you're my korobokuru. That is a Oriental dwarf from <laughs> AD&D Oriental. Oh, one of their, I see. One you're, of their new races you in are, 1986. But, you, but go on. You are uh, foreshadowing. Okay, excellent. So today we are joined once again by two amazing guests. Uh, Rob, Rob Croy, welcome back. Hi, it's uh, fun to be back and already lots of laughter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pre-show, we've just been <laughs> yes. a barrel of monkeys over here. And then, of course... Glad you didn't record those. Yeah, ben is also back. Thank you so much, Ben, for joining us again. Yeah, nice to join you guys. Yeah. Good to meet you all. Um, <laughs> Rob, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, I think we're going to talk about samurai drama, RPGs, and uh, magical samurai. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I've been looking forward to this episode since the last time we had you guys on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you say magical samurai? Yeah, mm-hmm. dog. Oh, come on. We're going to have, we're going to talk some magic and we're going to talk some samurais. But samurais that do magic or just magical samurais kind of in a big open sense? Oh, no, I get it. Why not both? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> why, why be limited? I don't... Of samurais, and to think samurais have magic is even better. Yes. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about role-playing games based in Eastern whoa. cultures. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Should we have a little hey, dear listener moment? Whereas if you wanted to get into playing some of these Eastern RPGs we're going to talk about, you should first sit down and watch Kurosawa movies. Oh, you yeah. should watch Rashomani or whatever it was, or the guy dies in the court. You should watch you know, Seven Samurai. 13 Samurai. Watch, 13 Assassins. 13 Assassins. Oh, well, that's a good one. Yeah. And that's new. Yeah. And that's, that's my a favorite. lot of stuff in it. it I, I made my L5R group watch it one night. We were like, hey, guys, we're going to get ready for L5R night. And then they showed up like, sorry, you're going to watch this now. And they're like, and they watch it. They come out of it almost traumatized. You're like, that's what we're playing? And I'm like, yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what we're playing. Yep. yep. <laughs> so that's kind of my idea. If you're listening to this and you're like, man, I really want to get into these games. But they're talking about all this court shit. And they're talking about, like, you got to play this character. And, and we're just these Westerner dudes. Or maybe we're in Sweden or Alaska or somewhere where our listeners are, and it's like we don't have much exposure to that Eastern culture. Even though Kurosawa is from like the 50s, I think that when I watch some of those, there's some real tension going on. Oh, you yeah. know, like oh, yeah. when the big guy goes to swing his big sword and everyone just kind of stops and he stops. And they're not even at, like the, the, the weak attackers, and then he's right. a- they're all just kind of like, the most- ah, who's going to swing? Who's going to swing? Because if they do, they die. 
Yeah. The most tense part in all of those movies is right before the fight scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I love but, that about it. He, he does such a phenomenal job of building that tension. And then the fight is a release. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like the, the uncoiling of that spring and it, oh, it's so good. And you know, if seven samurai long movie, but if you can get through the character introductions and you meet this, you meet the assassin or not the assassin, the duelist and you meet the, the leader and you meet some of these other guys like that is quintessential samurai approach, you know, samurai culture. And then you just take those those character notes and apply it into a game and uh, you're going to have a really rich, interesting time. I think Boom! I'm done for this podcast. That was my, that was my help. <laughs> Pro move. Well, Pro and, move. And, and I actually, that is what I recommend for new players though, is, or a GM who wants to get players into yeah, it is do a group character creation session and have the beginning of that session, watch a movie or two, <laughs> just make a night of it, have fun. And then talk about what you guys want your game to be based on the movie and the little bit of the book they've read and then make your characters. And then everyone's going to be so full of ideas. They're going to be bugging you on Facebook messenger all week long, waiting for the game next week. Yes. Yeah. That's, I guess that's part of the draw for me on, on this is that because it is such a different, culture to try and play a character in you have to do some extra work you have to do some prep and you got to get in the mindset and that effort just to me is very rewarding and uh and Mm -hmm. uh, definitely good call out there rich to say hey go and watch some of these older movies some of these newer movies um that really talk about uh samurai culture and samurai hierarchies and and you know and and how those decisions come come to pass and how that tension gets built and coy what was the newer one that you just mentioned 13 assassins that's it that one i think is uh probably the closest to l5r in terms of like setting because yeah. it has like just the right amount of mysticism and like crazy action yeah that l5r yeah. really strives for it, yep and, and just and and it and the whole status thing like we got to do something but we can't but we gotta but we shouldn't but we're gonna yep <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all of that's in there, and that's a, that's a really good call out. If you want to get a little zany with it, it's totally doable. I think Samurai Shampoo, which is a, an anime, mm-hmm. does a pretty good job of saying, okay, here's some different fighting styles and a couple of different characters, and if you if you're more of a zany crew, you could kind of look to that as a as a good inspiration for the world and 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 some of the challenges that that are common in that space. And seriously, if you have not watched Samurai Champlo, quit listening to this shit. <laughs> oh, get out to your local anime store and pick that up. It's only 26 episodes. It follows the classic, we're going to make one season and we're done scenario, not like uh, Inuashi that goes on for like 10 years. Right. And then they um, forget their initial premise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I love salty. anime. I'm salty about that too. I'm bitter. <laughs> Yeah, not not all samurai anime is good, but that one, that one's pretty solid. That's actually a good point. I I, I would like to at least kind of talk about, because I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, their understanding of samurai and Eastern culture is far more anime based. And I've never seen L5R do well with anime. I don't think like that that expectation. I'm sure you can. (laughs) It'd have to be very Shugenja-y. Shugenja-esque. Well, I was about to say, because L5R is the samurai RPG I know with lots of magic, so if anyone was going to be like near that anime aesthetic, I would think it's L5R. Well, uh, yeah, for sure, until we get like, I don't know, Bleach, and we're going to do champion, <laughs> clan champion duels or something. Uh, right. it's, it's much more subdued than a lot of typical anime. 
Okay, now not to go off on another fucking movie rant here. Is anybody watching Westworld? Oh, yeah. I'm not. Oh, oh yeah. they're in Samurai Land! I've been watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, the new season on Netflix. Ah, uh, well, Is another good choice. Good? I got like three episodes in and decided I didn't like it. Uh, if you didn't like the first three episodes, then you won't like the rest. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, fair. <laughs> that's legit. That's legit. It's not for you, that's all. Whenever you're trying to to get into these mindsets, it does help to remember that the social structure is very rigid yes. and, and your character has a very specific place in that world. It's not like D&D where you're a free agent and you can just do whatever you want. In most of these games, you have a lord. You have someone who is in, who is responsible for you. And if you died, that's a real pain in their ass. You know, they got to they got to do something about that. Um, so spending resources on you. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. So this is definitely the type of game where if you as a player want some infrastructure wrapped around your character that gives them some extra cool power in the world around them, but also gives them some responsibilities, these are good games to run into. Much less uh, freewheelie type stuff like what you might find in, in a typical D&D setting. I think I want to start off with the the one that we've probably all seen and played which is legends of the five rings the role-playing game probably third and fourth edition which are the editions that aeg or alderac entertainment group made um mm-hmm. that's that was the first one i played uh how about you guys anybody played started somewhere else and ended up on l5r i started l5r as a one shot as at free rpg day one year i don't remember what year that was I just remember it was after a crazy paranoia game, and it was what I needed to not be something completely wacky and off the wall. It was your right cleanse. It was your cleanse. <laughs> yes, uh, but like the, uh, I actually played a different samurai game for my first like samurai campaign. I guess I've never had a samurai game that's lasted more than three sessions. To be honest. Oh well, three sessions is a good. That's a good arc. You can get some real, real quality you stuff. You beat me. Yeah. <laughs> Rich doesn't go past two. After, if six players are still alive after two, he's super disappointed. Well, it's introduction conclusion. Just bad, bad. <laughs> and scene. Moving on. <laughs> Next game. Um, um, let's see. I, I started my first like samurai game for sure would be Legend of the Five Rings. But I definitely got into the RPG after I got into the card game. Mm-hmm. Um, so like m- the most exposure I had to a samurai RPG up until that point was just like as a DM and then my friends would be like, I want to play an assassin, a shinobi. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're annoying, but okay. Stuff like that. <laughs> so, so you have a, your traditional medieval game and then somebody would interject. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play and a ninja in this like Victorian English. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Yeah. Cause the completely different everything. <laughs> Uh, but then I uh, played Legend of the Five Rings, and later on I checked out Reflections. Um, and I keep my eye out on it at this point, because I think samurai drama is really interesting and not something that we normally do, just like as a Western audience. Yeah, and that's one of the mm-hmm. things that draws me to this, is that the Western audience typically focuses on uh, you know medieval uh, Tolkien-esque settings with goblins and and ogres and and hobbits and all that kind of stuff and that's all fun but there's a cultural aspect to that that is very consistent throughout all of those medieval settings whereas when you start getting into more asian cultures 
historically where there's a slightly different approach to the way that people treat one another and the way that communication is expected and at which point do blades get drawn yeah i I think is super interesting and just so much fun to play so in 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 interest of being very honest and fair about it though i want to make it very clear that legend of the five rings is a western rpg based on eastern things uh, it's not like we're translating these things and bringing them to us and looking at uh, like a first primary source RPG. That's a really good point. And I want to say that pretty much all of the authors on that are Western. Yes. Yep. And and they're referencing Eastern culture as they understood it at the time of writing. Not the internet. Of- like when it first. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Like when L5R was first being incepted. And we had like the idea of the mystical East that, yeah, that. Right. Right. Yeah. So there are some tropes in there that are probably not, uh, super culturally sensitive, but right. uh, it can be a lot of fun to play. Uh, so in L5R, whoa, every, whoa, 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 David, the show's about me. The sure. show's always about me. Let's I came just, on here for him. that rule. AD and E Oriental adventures. I remember I could not drive yet. Because my friend Sam brought over the new book in his briefcase. Yes, we did not get beat up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and he brought over the book in a briefcase. And you know, I grew up on Kung Fu Saturday afternoon theater, right? So this oh, yeah. was huge. <laughs> Gygax and Cook made Oriental Adventures. So that's where it started. Oh, yeah. And, and you talk and, about cultural insensitivity. <laughs> oh, yeah. You talk about cultural <laughs> ins- insensitivity there with that, with that name was, alone. <laughs> it was D&D with a little bit of a wrapper is really what it was. But I do remember they had an honor system and there was, you know, um, your birthright. And so they did meld in some ideas. But already in the two sentences, Corey said... It had much more <laughs> real Eastern influence than the entire book of Oriental Adventures. <laughs> Can I tell you my experience of Oriental Adventures? Please. It was, it was when I was running a, a Ravenloft campaign, and I had a player who determinedly got his character killed about every two to three sessions and then brought in a new character of whatever the newest book out at the time was. Nice. At one point, that was Oriental Adventures. So Perfect. in the course of this dungeon crawl, there was uh, a samurai and a ninja who died twice in the dungeon. <laughs> the new classes, that was kind of a, a really big thing. He was latching on to the new classes. And by the way, if anybody ever played the Yakuza, please let us know in some comments, because I think that was the most underplayed, never used class ever. And, and can you guys believe there was really a Yakuza class? Oh, wow. I don't. I don't remember that was a thing because no one played it. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the old school AD&D yeah i'm sure culturally insensitive book so so there's (laughs) there are multiple editions of that second edition dungeons and dragons first and second edition dungeons and dragons that was probably written by gygax and his crew right there's only there's only one oh no there's a second my friend (laughs) you might say there is but you're lying (laughs) so when uh wizard of the coast bought DD they were looking for a replacement for their Oriental Adventures, and they happened upon AEG's L5R world and system and all that stuff, and they bought the rights to Rokugan, the world of Legend of the Five Rings. And they made an Oriental Adventures that was basically the entire setting of Legends of the Five Rings just rewritten in Watsi language. 
I spit on that book. My entire experience with the Oriental Adventures was learning that it existed, picking up the book, and going, huh, nope. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, uh, to jump ahead into RPG I was going to talk about later, um, Blood and Honor, the first thing you do in that game before you're even allowed to make characters is the group has to come together and make their clan and their clan leader and their clan lands. What? Because that dictates... Because uh, it's like a, it's like your group shared character sheet, and between sessions, you actually update that character sheet. Very cool. That's yeah. really neat. Let, first, let me start with the disclaimer about Blood and Honor. Uh, it is not a. F- I would say L five R is fan- fantastic samurai because there's magic and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blood and Honor is all about the samurai tragedy. Like it's all about creating the situations where your characters are forced between to choose. Uh, personal and external things ah. and whatever they choose it's going to end badly in some way have you, have you guys seen uh twilight samurai oh twilight team edward bro god damn it dude no i've not seen twilight samurai twilight samurai an actually good movie unlike whatever rich just said is a really interesting movie into that same area of an aging samurai has to decide between you know family and self and clan and it's a it's a really good one so anyways keep going keep going see that's perfect but uh yeah in blood and honor so you start off you have to make a clan and by default yes all the characters come together to make one clan together you can make multiple clans but if you do that um you get basically less points to spend Uh so there's also an incentive if you do want to have the option to have multiple clans to really only have one or two um i have run a game where there was two clans and the whole plot of the game was they were trying to set up a marriage and unite the clans um so that was uh, a thing we did one time but you you make a clan and you start off you you make your daimyo and the party decides like what the daimyo's trait is because that informs thing and the traits are things like ambitious cruel cunning mad you can have a crazy leader that you're forced to follow. Of course. Um, you, don't, you don't get to pick your leader. And if your leader <laughs> is clinically insane, well. <laughs> so uh, in Blood and Honor, your clan has the same, gets to choose one stat that's on the character sheets that your clan is known for. And you get a bonus in that stat. And the stats in this game are beauty, courage, cunning, prowess, strength, wisdom. So very different from D&D because it's kind of a lot more focused on the politics and the tragedy type things mm-hmm. and you choose like and yeah you go into what your clan's holdings are like like what do they have in their lands and things like that it's very simple like the clan character creation is like seven pages and one of those is just a list of like uh aspects you can give your clan but the one aspect that your clan always has and this is really sets the theme of the game is none of us is as great as all of us you basically get bonuses when you work together uh, so that's kind of brings the togetherness and yet you're going to be constantly put at odds because working together um, often means you're not doing the thing your character wants to do. Ah. Um, See, now that's really neat because in a lot of role playing games out there, I don't think that everybody plays with a party sheet. Almost the opposite that many times you have groups where people have different motives. Right. And, and, and there's nothing unifying them. So that's a really cool hook here that there is a unifying aspect. And if you participate in that unity, you all get benefits. But it sounds like there's a downside to that, that it means that you're you personally are losing a great deal. Yes. 
And uh, in fact, I only know one other game that has a group character sheet, and that's Inspectors, which is Ghostbusters, the startup company, where your company has a character sheet. <laughs> yes. But that's a game for oh. another another topic. Um, I love that so game. Uh, uh, werewolf does that. Uh, White Wolf's Werewolf. Uh, your, oh, that's right. Your pack has its own character sheet and a totem and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I forgot same, about that. Same idea that if everybody puts in, everybody benefits. But if people don't put in, uh, you know. But then. Yeah. <laughs> but then after you make your clan, you make your character and you're, you're as part of your character creation, you choose what is your position like at court? Like, what are you doing? Are you a Jimbo? Do you are you a Hatamoto? Do you control the armies? Are you a, are you the clan's executioner? Are you its spiritual advisor? Like it lists out a bunch of these roles kind of instead of your character class. And it gives you a a dice benefit. It also gives you a like story benefit like the Hatamoto, uh, depending on their stats, just has a number of troops that are loyal explicitly to him. Ooh. That is just like his to use in whatever scene, however he sees fits and things like that. That's cool. So so there is a clan army, but there's mm-hmm. a there's a group within that army that is loyal right. only to this player character. Right. So that he has like a squad, uh, which could be a few people, could be like 20 depends on things but so you go into character creation and whatnot and like l5r it's a dice pool system but this game's really based on the pool system as like one unifying mechanic and everything else kind of builds off it so how this game works is you have pool of d6s not d10s i know not as white wolf friendly uh, <laughs> way so, more uh, warhammer friendly if you're coming from a wargaming background d6s is where it's at warhammer right. to samurai i can see it yeah <laughs> 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 but how the game works is you get your dice and you roll them and if you get 10 or higher you win the roll and if you get lower than 10 you lose the roll and when you win the roll in this game you actually get narrative control you actually take that from the dm temporarily okay um, i like and, that i like yep. that and by default you get to basically say one thing if you win the roll that now becomes true for the rest of that scene or for the game depending on what you're doing like let's say you're a character who's like a you're like the clan sage and you know all this stuff you when you make a knowledge role if you win that you actually get to declare something that now becomes true about the game world wow um or or about your clan lands or however you want to do it um okay now hold on a second that requires a ton of trust (laughs) as a gm oh yeah you would never want me in your game (laughs) and that's and that's definitely a quirk and see this game you gotta trust the party because you and the gm because you're basically trying to set this whole game's about you and your friends setting up terrible situations for each other's characters and then seeing how they get out of it or if wait, they do. Wait, wait, seriously, like like the players at the table are like, oh yeah, there's this new truism that I've rolled into the world because of right. my great role. And now that really messes with Rob's character and his whole arc and his love, his secret love well, affair. Well, David, let's say, let's say we're dueling, David. Yeah. Let's say you're dueling and I win. Yeah. Uh, and I and I get I win enough to make one declaration. Uh, I declare you kill me. I die in this duel. What? What did you do, David? To be a duel. Yeah, David, what'd you what do? Did you Why'd do? you kill oh me? Oh my god! Now I have to deal with the fact that I killed you. Oh my god! <laughs> you killed me, the the brother of the my sister who you were going to marry next week. What the hell, David? <laughs> Rich, no, Rich, no, I need to kill you. David anymore. We have to talk That's to the Daniel about it. <laughs> <laughs> David, David, David's a wild man. He's just killing everybody he duels. Put <laughs> arms out and run. <laughs> uh, but and here's the thing, though. So you're trying to beat ten. It but you, by default, you only get to declare one thing. How you declare other things is before you roll, you give up dice. So oh. for every dice I give up before I roll in my pool, that's if I win, it's basically a wager. That's another thing I get to declare. So if I'm dueling you 
uh, I could have a way more dice than you, but if I want to actually like be really cool and awesome and like get honor from this duel, I'm going to have to give up some of my dice to kind of even the playing field and take uh-huh. a higher risk on doing it. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's how all the roles in this game works, whether it's dueling or anything else. It's by default, if I win, I get to do one thing. Um, and if I lose, the DM gets to do one thing. But otherwise, everything else is a wager of how many dice am I willing to give up and how much am I willing to push it to try to get what I want. Wow, that is really cool. So cool. I yeah. I like that. That's a almost like a group DM situation where everybody at the table has to have a DM to game at least once or twice, so they know what they're what kind of power they're wielding, mm-hmm. and then they get to do it in a in an interesting way that makes interesting problems. It doesn't sound like you're doing this to out and out uh, win against someone else or ruin right. it for them, but make it interesting and maybe a bit cruel. <laughs> <laughs> that right. they have a Faustian bargain. <laughs> like I said, you guys really gotta you gotta have a talk with the group and know what you're doing. I wouldn't say everyone needs to have DM. I think you need one other person who knows what they're doing in DM because you need them and kind of the DM to help set the example. But I've totally played this game or uh, a game that this game is based off of, which is uh, House of the Blooded, mm-hmm. with completely new players who've never played an RPG before, and. Once they kind of see the basics of it, I mean, they kind of roll with it. And often they do better than my people who've only played D&D before um, because they're not stuck in the same ruts. Um, yeah. And they, they're they able to kind of adjust to the free kind of more free flowing nature and stuff. But yeah, that's, what, was, what was the name of this again? Blood and Honor. Blood uh, and Honor. OK, it's hey, really hey, cool. Ben. And like, yeah, who made it? John Wick, the guy who designed L5R 20 years later. (laughs) Uh, And I'm just going to touch on a few other things the game does mechanically and not. And then I'll be kind of done talking about it because it's not a very long book. um, And it's very written. It's written in a very like conversational manner. So it's probably twice as long as it needs to be. If he actually just wrote out all the rules plainly. Um, <laughs> like, well, that, that is a trope of John Wick. Uh, when you go and read the old L5R books, it's like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> this paragraph gives me what power? <laughs> okay. And it works for this game because this game's very different. So it's kind of like, it kind of like eases you into it. But yeah. So like one thing is uh, your character has honor points and they can spend them to do things or to prevent things. It can be used kind of as like a V as like kind of like a veto power. Mm. If like one player is like running, trying to do something really silly that kind of breaks the game. Somebody can honor and, and, and mute that. Basically. Yeah. Um, mm. One thing you can do with it is you can invoke and compel, which is so you can take an aspect from somebody else's character sheet. Let's say I know that you're quick to anger and in a scene I can spend, I can give you one of my honor points and say invoke that and now you get angry in this scene like i do something to revoke it and you that, that okay that is very much that honor point you have to then do that or you can push it back to me with one of your honor points and say no that's not happening oh wow yeah that's um for the folks out there who've played it before that's a lot like fate in that yep. people can invoke aspects of one another uh oftentimes to their detriment right yep. um and so definitely and very cool directly from fate and he admits that <laughs> Well, that's, that's good. That's good of him. Uh, and then here, I'm going to go into combat real quick because people always want to know how combat works in these games. So I already kind of talked about dueling, how you wager. And basically, if you want to make it honorable, you'll give up more. And that gives you some benefits, which basically you can earn honor points. The thing I just talked about. Um, let's say you're fighting a not uh, samurai. Let's say, uh, Rich, you're fighting somebody. You're fighting a peasant. Um, do you want to kill that peasant? Do am I answering that or is my character? Yeah, or either. I uh, yeah, we want to kill the peasant. 
Okay, he dies. You don't have to roll. He's a oh, he's a peasant. I'm a samurai. Uh, Come on. Yeah, you're the, you're the deadliest <laughs> thing on two legs here. Uh, so if there's like a lot of peasants, let's say you're starting a barber and brawl, you can just automatically kill peasants, any non-samurai up to your prowess score. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Unrestrained power. Yeah, this uh, isn't it, even my final form. <laughs> but wait, but wait, there's more. Because outside uh, of that door, there's more peasants. No, um, but, but so that, those like, peasants... If you want to do that Kurosawa scene where you're just, you know, chopping down untrained men left and right yes we do that in this game but, but wait, no. those peasants belong to somebody game. those peasants belong to somebody right don't you have to like right. answer for the fact that you just Probably. killed a room full of people well and remember peasants don't get to use weapons only samurai can peasants why can't have swords only you why did you put your peasants in my way <laughs> yeah uh you mean in the rice field on the road <laughs> And, and yeah, so peasants, peasants can't use weapons, so that's also a disadvantage they have. Now, granted, uh, pointy sticks aren't considered a weapon in high-class society like ours, and enough peasants with pointy sticks attack you, you might just die. Yeah. But, you know, that's something. Uh, there's firearms rule in this game, which has a big disclaimer that the GM should be careful about introducing them, because the rules of firearms is that if anyone is hit with a firearm, um, they die. Uh, there's no all the mechanics that exist in this game normally where you can kind of narratively control and save your character from death if you really want to uh, don't apply to firearms and firearms aren't considered weapons meaning peasants can use them yes <laughs> yes oh, yes <laughs> I'm so making you want, a peasant if, and I will not have any weapons I promise <laughs> so yeah, if you want to play that game where a plot point is that a rival clan suddenly gets firearms um, you can do that in this game um, but disclaimers of this game it doesn't really have magic there's mysticism it goes into that a bit but like if you want to play a magic user that's not a thing in this game um if you want to play a ronin uh john wick doesn't like ronin and basically you get a character <laughs> with like none of the stuff because you're a smelly homeless man um when he writes you don't have any you don't have any clans so you already don't get any benefits from having a clan the, sheet the party sheet doesn't stuff. help you at all oh my god yeah so yeah that's kind of and then i'm not gonna go to all the rules because there's like some specific rules for mass murder um god <laughs> What? You know, yeah. you know, you you were trying more to, and more every time he talks. You were selling me on this idea that this is a more narrative game. There's not a lot of con combat in this game, but there's totally rules for mass murder. I mean, yeah. it can and happen on a Tuesday. Blood and blooded, what was it again? Blood and honor. Blood and honor. Yeah. Oh, dude, we got to look for this at Gen Con. It's very honorable until you want there to be blood. And <laughs> Oh, another big part of this game, though, I guess with that is this game forbids secret knowledge. Oh, anything you say is table knowledge. It's just not character knowledge. So if I say I committed the murder, everyone else at the table now knows that just the characters don't. Uh, yeah. so I kind of appreciate that the game straight up talks about metagaming. Yeah. And like includes it in the rules. That's refreshing and surprisingly rare. Mm -hmm. Yep. It basically just says the GM and the player should be open about stuff at the table, because if people don't know each other's secrets, how are you going to set up scenes where they matter? Right. Right. Because in this game, everybody's kind of a DM. So yeah. everybody has to kind of know everything. Yeah. Plus, you could have something really cool in your backstory. And if I don't set you up for it, it's just mm -hmm. kind of going to exist on that paper and no one's going to ever. Yeah. It. Right. It'll have very little value in the game. Yeah. Yep. I think the next one we want to talk about Rob's game where there is no GM, right? What? Uh, well, I suppose there's two. So it's called Reflections. 
and it is a strictly two-player competitive RPG. First off, two players, both are GMs, and it's competitive. This is like breaking all the rules of yep. RPGs. And it's exactly one die roll, which represents the duel that one or neither of you will walk away from. Wow. <laughs> so wait, how how does I love okay, it. how do you I'm play this game? How do you how do you get into this? Okay, so I I I adore this game. This is the character sheet. This is the whole thing. The whole game is played with this. Um it's a very 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 narrative game. And the if you see up at the top, it has several lines and there's a first player and a second player. And the first line is, it was a time of blank. And the second player says, we stand upon blank. Uh, and this is, the, this is the bookend, how the game works. So at the very beginning of the game, we're going to establish uh, the time, where we are, how we were friends, what happened to make us not friends. And then my name is blank. I am blank. And I cannot allow your actions to go unchallenged. It's like Mad Libs, people. It's like Mad Libs. You're filling in like the little, I don't know if anybody remembers Mad Libs. It's like you're filling in the little blanks. That's awesome. Yeah. Would you like to do it really quick? We'll just do that part. Okay. You and me? Okay. Uh, I'll be player one. It was a time of famine and strife. We stand upon the bloodied field of our fallen brothers. I remember when you were my brother. This feud started when you stole my woman. My name is Irezu. I am a forgotten farmer, and I cannot allow your actions to go unchallenged. My name is Chojiro, and I am the local magistrate, and I cannot allow your actions to go unchallenged. So that's how we start the game. And then from there, we have several scenes. Uh, Each scene has a couple different things that you can do in it. And the scenes have different goals, essentially. So the first scene is the time we were friends. And in this scene, you and I would role play until completion, how we know each other, what made us friends, that sort of thing. And in every single scene, we have four options. And they're different for each one. So, for example, just to say, in the time we are friends, there is uh, one, two, three, and four. You have to choose one of these. Uh, Number one is always the same. You can choose your own objective. So you're choosing an objective. Uh, The second one is get your rival to agree to do something for you in the future. Mm. Third one is get your rival to give you a personal item. Or the hardest one is get your rival to reveal their greatest personal weakness. So we would do this scene of the time we are friends until we both feel that that is done. If you succeed at your secret objective, then you, oh, so you check one of those. Yeah, you check one of these on your character sheet before the scene starts. And if you succeed at doing this during that role play, you get that much dice. And if you both succeed, you both get the dice uh, that you wager. So, so, so if you make your own objective, which is get homie to say what, and yeah. you get the other guy to say what, you get one die. But if I yeah. get you to reveal your greatest personal weakness, then you will get four dice. That's right. Now, if your opponent, if your rival manages to complete their objective and you do not, you get a number of hatred equal to the dice that they earned. Ooh. So then you go through the different scenes, all of this doing the same thing. So the first scene is the time we were friends, where we're explaining how we knew each other and why we were friends. Deep, real friends. And then it's the time you cross the line, is the second scene. At that point, we are now 
having issues with each other. We oh can see God. some ripple happening. This is the so cool. You, the time you failed me is the next scene where you betrayed me. You have actively and purposefully betrayed me. Then the la- the next scene is the time we strive for peace. So given what has what has happened, we are going to try to mend our relationship, but ultimately we will fail because the last scene is the time it came to blood and that is the duel. So the game starts with us repeating, saying those things, and then the game ends with during the time it came to blood at any point in that scene and it takes place where we had set it originally. So in this case, it would be, uh, where did you set it? A field of our fallen brothers. Yep, so in the time it came to blood, we're going to be just around a bunch of dead bodies, and the circumstance and context under which how those people have shown up will become known in the previous scenes. And then at any point during the final scene, one of the players will just stop and repeat the initial sayings, so it turns into a bookend. Then wow. both players roll dice. Uh, I can get into how, how to calculate dice. And then whoever wins, wins the duel. Whoever loses, dies. When that character dies, the person who won will take their character sheet and explain the singular emotion that they feel as they kill their rival. And if, it's, if you're using dice, you need to let go of that emotion. How, how that letting go of this or how you're using an emotion to fulfill your destiny. If you're using hatred, we talk about how your pure seething rage is killing a rival. And then after you, while you're describing this, you rip their character sheet in half. Can, can I say this sounds really mental? This is such a cool character like, thing. This like, is cathartic. What's that word? Cathartic. There you go. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is such a cool, like you're building two rival characters. It's a cooperative sort of, but adversarial at the same time. Uh, it's a very, it's obviously designed for one shots. Yeah. Cause you get one shot and then somebody's <laughs> yeah, you dead. Get, you get one chance. <laughs> and, uh, Every time I've played, uh, it's been phenomenal. I play it with people who just don't play RPGs. And the one bit of, it, bit of advice I have for it is you need to go into it. Because I, I have a player right now in my Call of Cthulhu game who's very wishy-washy and kind of s- sits on the fence. about like, well, I want to do this action, but I don't want to really do it. Like, he wants to have an out. Don't do that with this game. You'd like, you'd go all in. Yes. Like, this is your emotion. This is your belief. This is the literal reason why you live and this other player is going to kill you because he is literally the antithesis to everything you can possibly believe in. You have to start right next to each other as friends, and the farther you can pull them apart, the better it is. Wow. Wow. Uh, oh, I the love first that. time I played this game, I was playing it with Cassie, my fiance, and she tried to get me to kill her mother while she was on her deathbed while we were standing above her because honor wouldn't let her leave her mother's side to go be with the army she was the general for and what? damn it she really needed to go rob can i count on you for this <laughs> so that sheet was that moment no that was just uh i think that was scene two okay okay that was in scene two <laughs> Oh yeah, the time. I get it. I get it. I get it. 
Man, I'm still I'm I'm still angry about uh, the time I played with Cassie because she killed me, and it was wrong. She was wrong. <laughs> you know it's a good uh, RPG when it sits with you weeks later. Oh uh, no, this is months ago. I'm still pissed. Uh, it, she was like captain of the guard, and I was just like some schmuck who was like rising my way up. But she was like not quite corrupt, but could get there and kept finding new ways to be corrupt and i would shut her down and every time something bad happened to her because i wouldn't let her lose honor i was there so she just like pavlovianly believed that i was the reason everything in her life was falling apart when i was actually the reason why everything in her life was being saved she just needed to stop ruining herself uh she then killed me I mean, when it com- when it comes to like developing a character, like I want to play that game, and then whichever one lives, is like cool. Now that's your character in this game. Yeah. Right. Okay. This is how we play L five R. Character creation. Yeah. <laughs> Char- you got to survive character creation. Yeah, it's, it's like Traveler, but way worse. <laughs> I love wacky one shot indie RPGs like this. Everyone I've seen just always takes me aback. It's it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and it plays well as an actual play for a podcast. Oh, <laughs> yes, I, th- I can see that. Yeah, yes, yes. We should do this. We should do this sometime. I Guys, that was... I, I was not expecting this. I knew that we were going to talk Eastern RPGs. I knew that we were going to kind of go in some interesting directions. But I had no idea. It was going to be like, hey, here's a game where you and your friends collaborative, collaboratively make a world and then jack with each other. <laughs> the entire time you're playing or here's a game where you and your friend are versus one another one of you is gonna die and one or both yeah yeah and you've built this entire moat of tension or not moat but you've built this entire like vehicle to deliver tension into the space and so when it's over with you're kind of relieved that the game is done just because you've gone through so much tension building there i will i will say that i played reflections uh I, i think three three times I've lost twice, and every time they start ripping my character sheet, I they look me in the goddamn eyes, and I'm staring at them back, and I just go. <sighs> <laughs> and it's because they have to describe their emotion. Cassie is just like, I cut you, and I feel solace in the fact that my plans won't be inhibited. <laughs> It's glorious. It's glorious. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, there's usually a cool off period after you play this game. So, yeah, like you really got to just like dive into this game, like right. really, really find the belief and stance. This is so cool. And I don't even know what to say. And like I was reading an RPG later earlier about remodeling houses. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I we're playing this. This is an interesting one. I've got to play this game for sure. Because, wow, I, I just, I'm still just gobsmacked by it. It's just like I've well, never heard of a game like this before. Well, and it goes back to what I kind of said about L5R. And I want to say again about all good samurai games is that this isn't about being a murder hobo going out trying to get 200 gold. This is this is about beliefs, expectations, personal virtues, your own responsibilities and limitations and what you hope to achieve and what you simply have to achieve. All right, uh, we should probably work on closing this out. <laughs> um, AD&D Oriental Adventures, the best.
Ooh. We can kind of just leave it there. Drop my boom. I'm, I'm going to say that you're wrong on that one, my friend. <laughs> that still used two hit armor class zero, so I can't vote for that. I know some of you are working on some projects. Where can people find you? Uh, well, for myself, uh, The Table is Yours as a conversational podcast is defunct, but since I was still paying to have it hosted, because I'm an egomaniac like that, I have rebranded it as an uh, audiobook reading of the L5R fiction. I wow. have two of them out right now, and I can give you a link to that, and I'll be working on, Please I do. believe, the dragon yeah, the, the dragon story. I'm quite far behind, to be honest, but I used to like go out and get a bunch of voices for all the different things, put in a bunch of sound effects, but I'm scaling it back to make it so that I don't burn myself out like I did last time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the project is moving along, and I'm quite pleased with it. It's really good that you're out there documenting it in an audio Yeah, FFG just put out their first novella, and I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to do an audiobook for that or if I should wait for the C&D. Awesome. Wow. Well, uh, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna link to this um, rogue audiobook series. <laughs> Very underground. <laughs> yeah, super underground. <laughs> Please don't tell anybody like FFG about it, but tell all your friends who don't work at FFG about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, both of you, again for coming on and and telling us about these awesome games. Yeah, no problem. For sure. Um, I hope to be back, possibly with other things and L five R. Fifth edition. Once fifth edition comes out, which is going to be in August. So I think after Gen Con, we're going to have a whole wave of new games to talk about. L5R, mm-hmm. the new yeah. version being one of them. I'm really curious about it. I've looked at the rules. Eh, some interesting stuff in there. I want to see it. I want to see it in the final form. I agree. Everyone, thanks again for tuning in and having a listen with us. As always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be exploding dice. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback for us, please find us on Twitter at High Shelf Gaming or at our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. If you really like the podcast and want to help people find us, please leave a review on iTunes. It's the easiest way for people to find new podcasts. Having some nice reviews there really helps direct people to us. We have a cork board downstairs uh, for like bills and stuff like that. And Cassie's character sheet has mine pinned behind it, ripped and torn. And she has it displayed as a fucking trophy. Oh my God. (laughs) 